M&K Talk YA now presents The Fates Divide, Part 1 of the Carve the Mark series by Veronica Roth. another episode of M&K Talk YA. I'm Katie Bradford. I'm Marissa Snyder. And this week we, well, we always talk about YA fiction on our podcast, (laughs) but this week we specifically (gasps) talked about The Fates Divide Part 1, which is the sequel to Carve the Mark. What was that gasp for? I was, what if we just like threw everyone for a loop and we were like, we're going to talk about horror books today. Oh, I thought you were going to pick something really random like Erotica. <laughs> you said politics and I said erotica. What I don't does know. What that say about us? <laughs> or like not even books, like just something else. Basketball. <laughs> yeah. The sports balls. <laughs> sports games from around the world. <laughs> I guess we do a lot of random stuff in our research anyways. So I, like everything I was thinking of, I was like, wait, I could see us talking about that. Not sports games. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it was the Olympics. I'm doing this thing now where um, whenever hockey's on, I ask questions as if it's figure skating. <laughs> so like the hockey game will be going on and, and I'll be like, oh, is this the short program or is this the free skate? <laughs> I made my sister's boyfriend really mad. <laughs> is he really into the, the hockey? Yeah, he's into all sporting games. But we are not here to talk about sports. Good thing, because I don't really have a lot to say. Wait, have I told you? So I am going to be having surgery, but they told me in six to eight weeks, I'll be golf and tennis ready, which I think means I'll suddenly learn how to play golf because I am not golf ready even now. (laughs) Golf and tennis ready. Yeah. So watch out world. I like that that's the baseline. What if you can't play golf or tennis to begin with? Well, it did feel kind of like a weird milestone. Like not like you'll be completely better, but not like You'll be back to your normal lazy activity of reading. <laughs> yeah, how soon can you read? That's what I'd want to know. Not golf. Yeah, you'll be you'll be about this ready to stand and swing, which I guess. But like, if you're having surgery on your abdomen, I guess golf would be like. I hope you wake up from surgery and you're just a golf expert. I think I will be. That's what I'm pretty sure they're rewiring me to play golf better. <laughs> you'll be like a cyborg. Exactly. I'll be a golf play. I'm gonna write a book. I'm. I actually. I should have James. I like want him to ask me certain questions when I come out of my surgery while I'm still on some <laughs> about golf. <laughs> yes. And maybe I'll ask him about. Po- tell him to ask me about podcasts or golf, and we can see what I. What brilliant things I come. We up can with. do a whole bloopers reel where we just record you coming out of anesth- <laughs> the la- anesthesia. He, he recorded me after my last procedure and I kept apologizing to everyone for forgetting their names Aww. and telling them, I'm not sure what you did, but I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> like to all the surgeons? That's yeah, horrible. <laughs> all the nurses and stuff. And then I don't know I for- what you did. <laughs> I forget what they said to me. Oh, my mom's phone rang and I was like, is she allowed to do that in here? And they were like, yeah, it's fine. And I was like, okay, I'm just a little slow on the uptake right now. <laughs> My mom was like, that was the phrase you went with? I'm slow on the uptake. <laughs> but yeah. Well, so. we wish we wish you a really successful surgery that ends in possibly a golf tournament. Yeah. I also, I, w- I hope they have something like silver skin or whatever this stuff is. It kind of sounds <gasps> oh. really cool. 
Would we really want that though? I mean, maybe like a patch that wasn't like your whole neck and face. Well, and I mean, no, I wouldn't want to go through what she went through and have it where she has it. But I feel like as a thing to heal someone, it's kind of a cool concept the way it. Oh, like a medical device. Yeah, I agree. It would be cooler though. It would be if it was like just like melded to your skin and looks exactly like your skin. Yeah, but then you wouldn't really feel cyborg-like. Like, I'm kind of imagining more of a cyborg look, which, you know, I bet it helped her golf game, too, if I had to guess. I mean, people probably just looked at her and they were like, I quit. I concede. <laughs> well, maybe we'll see you at the Masters next year. Probably. I mean, that's more than two months from my surgery, so I'll pretty much be a... Or maybe it goes away. Maybe it's like I'll have one good week of golf and then it's back <laughs> to normal. Like, maybe that's like the sweet... Six to eight oh, weeks no. is when I'll be golf ready. And then after eight weeks, I'll be not golf ready. It'll just fade. Oh, it's going to be like flowers for Algernon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Oh, okay. Gosh. Well, now that okay. we've talked about sports, that was another sports thing. And medical um, devices. <laughs> should we talk about the first half of this book? Oh, wait. Let's for do everyone it. who forgets where to read up to, we read up to part three. So um, if you haven't read that far, we may accidentally spoil things. You should remember where to read, unlike me, <laughs> last week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So. so, so I was right in my prediction again. I'm, re- I'm getting really good at predicting. Your predictions. You're two for two. Yeah. I'm super impressed. But was I, I forget my full prediction. Did I actually get it right or did I just have like the general idea but I mixed up pieces of it? No, you got it right. And then you also, your first prediction was that um, Cece and, no, 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 Ori and Isaiah were, oh, yeah. um the chancellor or one of them was going to be the chancellor yeah i'm killing it which means i'm totally going to get the ending wrong um I'm about <laughs> what's to... your prediction for the ending i don't know yet i guess i okay. should have thought of something as as we're talking it's usually while we're talking that i like really come up with some of these ideas so okay well let's dive in okay so first of all what did you think about seeing some new perspectives specifically we start with asia's mm-hmm. um, and cc yeah we see cc too but asia's Weird stuff is going on. Yeah. He's two people in one body, so he's, like, part himself and part Ryzek. yeah. yeah well, I think it's interesting that he uses the we form because he's, like, two people trapped in one body, so that was a little strange. Um, and I feel I feel bad for him because he has these moments where he sees Akos and he's completely um, confused by him because part of him sees him as a brother and the other part of him sees him as an enemy. And yeah. it's just, I mean, how confusing. But, okay, so he's saying that, but I feel like he never acts like he sees him as his brother. Like, I feel like it, what we're seeing on the outside, like, not when we're inside his mind, but the rest of the time, I'm not seeing any of the old him. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, like, he doesn't, like, accidentally say something sweet to his brother or, like, do something instinctual to protect him or I feel like we only see mannerisms even um Sira notices mannerisms of her brother I mean like everyone's seeing Ryzik in him not yeah that's a good point I just don't know if he'll ever be able to be fixed yeah well so I have another question so he's the one it's always his perspective when we start kind of seeing memories of other people or like experiencing life from other people's perspectives during these Mm -hmm. big tragedies is that an oracle thing? Is that why all of them are screaming? Are they all experiencing that? Or is that some weird thing that's going on with their multiple identity across multiple bodies? I think it's an thing. oracle thing. Okay. That's what I thought at first. But then I was also, didn't someone say something to him like, what are you now? Yeah. And I was like, maybe he has, maybe it's like the oracle and the memory swapping have like 
created some new hybrid power. hybrid gift. Yeah, maybe because I think well, I don't know because oracles see the future, but but then again, but they're all screaming or reacting when this event happened. I don't know. I guess I don't. I'm still like so confused by how predicting the future works. Me too, <laughs> especially since like whenever Sifa was talking about how she realized that she had to switch Akos and Sira, and she was saying mm-hmm. like. When you were born, we saw only dark paths, but then we saw if you if you were swapped at birth, a few positive avenues presented themselves. And so mm-hmm. that's what prompted her to, to switch babies. But at the same time, it's like, it, it, it just is confusing that they can pick which fate you get, essentially. Like they can intervene and, and tempt fate and mess with fate and change fate. Yeah, well, I mean, the real thing is anyone can do that. It's just they have they know more than everyone else does yeah. about the consequences of their actions, I guess. But it's also just it's also kind of it's you know how sometimes we think stories get like a happy convenience thing. In some ways, the fact that they switch fates, but Sira's already technically died. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, now they're both done with their fates, and it's kind of like a letdown. Yeah. I felt the same thing. Because I thought that was going to be a big thing when we saw that come to fruition. And then I still thought, even when they switched, because I did, you know, when I was predicting that, I, I didn't think that it counted that she was already fulfilled her die in the service to the Novavec family or whatever. I agree. Especially since, like, during that scene where she was supposed to be torturing Egos, I didn't even realize that her heart stopped. Well, that was a really confusing part, remember? Because it, like, jumped all of a yeah. sudden. We were like, he was rescued and I like had a lot of trouble following that even in the moment but yeah yeah it was just like oh okay that counts as dying I guess but I know I I kind of wanted to see more and now that their fates are fulfilled they what did they say it was like your fate is a cage and when it's fulfilled you're free so now Mm -hmm. now that neither of them are bound by their fate or have that hanging over them it's like well what what are they gonna do now yeah I mean it is kind of exciting from like like, I'm glad that we can see them without knowing what's going to I mean, you know, that that they have that freedom and stuff, but it's still kind of disappointing from a... I was kind of hoping that she'd have to deal with what does that mean to her now? Because she kind of didn't understand his dilemma, mm-hmm. I think. Or maybe she kind of understood it, but she was, was still resentful about it when he was... Yeah. Didn't just want her on his own. Yeah, because she wanted him to choose to be with her, not to be with her because his fate dictated yeah. it. And now he left. <laughs> yeah, which I'm also confused about. Like, there's got to be more to that than we know right now, right? I'm sure there is, but it's just so sad that, like, as soon as he finds out that he's free of his fate, he just leaves. And it's like, that's her worst nightmare, essentially. Yeah. It's like confirming all of her worst thoughts about it's him. It's feeding in all of her self-doubt. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, so, fun fact, mm-hmm. I researched babies being switched at birth. <gasps> Ooh. And I told James I was going to research this, and then, like, 20 minutes into it, I was like, do you think I was switched at birth? Maybe I should get a paternity test. And he was like, I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> no, you look like your mom. <laughs> yeah, everyone in Haiti said I look like my mom, so. Well, I'm, I'm like, interested, too, with the whole switched at birth thing, because for a woman to knowingly send her daughter to the Noavec family, knowing how cruel they are, and knowing Lazmed and how terrible he is, I was just like, what was her fate before they were switched? Like, what was so dark that her mom sent her to this evil, evil person to, to be raised? Yeah, how is that possibly better than 
every yeah. single other alternative. Yeah, she's kind of a weird mother figure. I'm very intrigued by her. She's actually one of my favorite characters to get to know a little bit more. Well, why don't you tell me about babies being switched at birth first? Okay, so according to this random website, I'm not even going to tell you what it's called. No, it's called brandongale.com. But here's a bunch of statistics. And then I also read 15 shocking times babies were switched at birth on Baby Gaga. (laughs) And then read several. (laughs) Once I heard pieces of that, I looked up additional articles. Some of them are like in the New York Times and stuff. So I went down like this whole rabbit hole. But as far as statistics go, out of 4 million total births, about 28,000 babies get switched every year. What? 28,000? But most of these mistakes are caught. Most of them are caught before the family leaves the hospital. But still, even just the fact that, like, they got mistaken just in general. Yeah. Well, so during a two-day stay at the hospital, babies are switched on average six times. (laughs) So that's why they have multiple ways of identification for babies and that you like the bracelets and all the other things they do to identify. Like sometimes if a hospital staff is, you know, overworked Mm -hmm. or there's a a lot going on, something could just be switched, but not like it being malicious or even completely overlooked as much as like someone would be like, wait, that's not my kid. And you'd be like, oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. switch them back because they have the right thing on. But between 1995 and 2008, there were eight occurrences of baby switching that were documented in the U.S. Oh, no. What happened? Did the, the parents ever find out? Um, I mean, I guess so, they must have if it's documented. Yeah, I think they must have found out. So I'm not sure if those eight relate to the stories. I'll tell you some stories in a little bit. Okay. But um, they didn't tell me which specific eight those were. But so it's fairly rare. I mean, that's even from, what is that, 13 years, eight occurrences were documented. Yeah, it's pretty rare. Thank God. And this is just in the United States? That was in the United States, that that statistic, yep. Okay. Yeah, they said up to 18 babies per year are switched and sent home with the wrong families, but most of those issues are immediately corrected within a few days. I wonder what tips them off. I mean, like, because I feel like after you have a baby, you're, like, you're out of it. You're not, you're sleep deprived. You're, you know, you're not in your best state of mind. But then what happens where you're like, this can't be my kid? Yeah, so this is 15 shocking stories of babies who were switched at birth from babygaga.com. Um, so there was this one set of babies. This is actually back in 1994, and I'm not sure where it was located, but they oh, actually just it was in France. Um, and both of the babies who were born, they were both girls, and they both suffered jaundice. And I guess the hospital only had two jaundice incubators. One of them was already oh. in use, so they put both of these girls into the same incubator and accidentally gave them back to the wrong mother afterwards. Oh, no. And it's funny because both moms apparently noted that their baby was returned to them with different hair lengths. Like one had been born with more hair and one had been born with less hair. When they were switched, both moms were like, hey, wait, like something's wrong. And they were both told that the jaundice treatment either shortens or extends hair in either, whichever the case, you know. So they just lied to them? So, I mean, maybe maybe jaundice treatment really can change your hair. But they, I mean, like for whatever, I guess they, um, in this case, they supposedly found out it was related to some drunk nurse, which is not normally the case. Oh, I don't God. think most nurses go to work drunk and switch babies, but in this particular case, <laughs> supposedly that's what happened. Oh, no. Um, okay. But then at some point when their daughter turned 10, one of the husbands who had a bunch of suspicions about 
whether or not the daughter, like the parents had already had a lot of suspicions because her hair was frizzy and she had a darker skin. She basically didn't look like her family. So he mm-hmm. ordered, or he asked for a paternity test. Um, I think maybe her husband was especially suspicious if the baby was his. But when the paternity test results came back, he didn't match, but neither did the mom. Um, so they ended oh up taking God. legal action against the clinic. But afterwards, the families met and both decided they wanted the child they had raised because their kids were already over 10 at this point. Like, they'd been in their family for oh my gosh. 10 years. So Why would you – okay, that was going to be my other question. Like, when you find out the truth, do you decide to swap again or do you keep the baby you got? Because – It's really complicated. Well, yeah, especially 10 years. Like, why did it take you that long? I know. And it's probably like you kind of want both kids. Because you do. And when you meet the other family, it might influence you too. Like, especially if you don't like them, it's like, I don't want my blood being raised there, but I don't want to give back this kid that I've raised my, you know, that I know either. Well, also legally, I mean, would you have to then go through a formal adoption process? Because technically, that's not your child. Oof. I had a dream actually recently that I had twins. Uh huh. And in my dream, we named the babies, and then I brought them home, and I couldn't tell which was which. Oh, no. And I was just like, well, we'll never know. <laughs> like, that's how the dream ended. I was just like, this might not be the right one. <laughs> I, like, had thought about that, too. Okay, so this is, I think, one of the more uh, crazy stories of, like, custody stuff. Okay. Okay. Um, so there were these two girls, Rebecca and Callie, who were accidentally switched at birth. And both were raised by their family for several years and happy and whatever. Um, But Callie's mom, Paula, and her boyfriend, Carlton, were having some problems. And she was trying to get more child support from him. And he demanded a paternity test. And Mm -hmm. kind of similar to the other story, the results revealed that neither one of them was the parent. Oh, my God. How old was the kid? um, I think this is when she was three. Okay. So they... So the same day that they got those results and figured out with the hospital, like, who was their biological daughter, the other daughter's parents died in a tragic car accident, so they never even knew oh, about no. the situation. So after she learned oh, my that, God. Paula, who is the mom of the the first daughter, sued for custody of her birth of her biological child. Yeah. But the grandparents fought really hard to keep the granddaughter, and the judge oh, ultimately God. ruled that she could stay with her, the family that had raised her. But here's where oh it gets goodness. even crazier. So the judge actually, I think they there was some kind of agreement where they had to spend some time with their real mom. So the daughters were going back and forth a little bit, but it, they lived like four hours away and it was really stressful. But mm-hmm. Carlton, Paula's ex, ended up falling in love with the aunt who was raising the biological daughter. Oh. So that daughter never went and lived with her biological mom and has basically no relationship with her mom. But her aunt and bio- and the dad got married and had three kids of their own. So that's who she lives with. Whoa. Isn't that kind of crazy? That is insane. Just yeah. the fact that, like, he fell in love with someone on the opposite side of the family and is now raising his daughter. Yeah, although I'm still a little bit confused because it never clarified when he- if he got a paternity test for the other, yeah. da- like, if he actually was the biological father. Fo- I'm not entirely sure about that, but I still thought it was kind of Whoa. a crazy story. And then even just to find out, the same day that you find out that your child was raised, you know, was given to the wrong family, not that you want to give up your own kid, but that you might want to bring, you know, you try to bring them into your own house. In some ways, you're probably thinking, well, as terrible as it is, 
least someone's fighting me for it. But then their family, fight, you know, I don't know. It's just yeah. And if and if you're those grandparents and your you know daughter you just died, lost, you just your, lost and yeah. then you have this child who you think is like the last tie to your child, mm-hmm. I can see why you would yeah. want to fight for that, even if it wasn't your kid. Oh, so here's a happier story. Okay, okay. so Dimas Aliprandi always wondered why he didn't look like his sister. So he had blue eyes and blonde hair, and all of his sisters had dark eyes, dark hair, etc. Um, so in 2008, he took a DNA test. He was 24 years old and oh, confirmed no. that he wasn't their biological son. And his parents were kind of heartbroken, but had raised him for 24 years and decided to help him find his real parents and that they'd find their real son. So they investigated it some more and found out that he'd been switched with this boy, Elton Plaster, who lived on a 35-acre farm with his parents. Mm-hmm. And both boys essentially like wanted to be with their parents who had raised them, but wanted to get to know their birth parents, so yeah. they decided to all live together on the farm. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> yes. Um, Join forces, why not? Okay, this one's also kind of crazy. <laughs> so there's some weird things about twins. Um, so there there were these two friends. So let's say you and I walked into the butcher shop where mm. your boyfriend's cousin, William, worked. Uh, okay. And I saw... William, but I thought it was my friend Jorge. So I was like, hey, Jorge. And then he didn't respond. And you're like, no, that's my friend William. And you're like, oh my goodness, William looks exactly like my friend Jorge. So (laughs) then you take, then I would be like, okay, next week I'm going to bring Jorge and introduce him to your friend or or something like that. Okay. So he looks like William. um, So they introduce each other and Jorge ends up being like, haha, we do look really similar. It's funny because I actually have a twin. But we don't really look alike. And he shows him a picture. And William looks at the picture and he's like, the guy you're sitting next to looks exactly like my twin. So basically, William and Wilbur and Carlos and Jorge got switched. So they were two sets of identical twins, but they became two sets of fraternal twins. Um, What? Yeah. (laughs) No. But how crazy is that? Like you're, You're like, oh my goodness, you look exactly like this guy. And then you're like, he has a twin, but they don't look alike. And you're like, wait. His twin looks oh exactly my like God. my twin. What are the odds that they would even find each other? This is like the parent trap. I know. Isn't that kind of crazy? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of, like, how did how? they not, how did they go from identical to fraternal, you know, like, I feel like that would be obvious too, but maybe not. I don't yeah. Know. Well, unless you're a drunk nurse. <laughs> yeah. There was only one drunk nurse story out, out of all the ones <laughs> okay. I read, if that makes you feel better. <laughs> not to, you know, say anything bad about nurses. I married into a family of nurses, and they do marvelous things. I mar- I'm Well, I haven't married yet. I'm marrying into a family of nurses, and I'm really putting them to the test with everything we're going through on my side, so. Yeah, you are. Um, okay, so there's another, there's this other woman who was faced with that same dilemma we were just talking about. Do you, you know, do you return the kid you raised, or do you... And get the baby you gave birth to, or do you, keep, you know, what do you do? Um, but both of the mothers felt the same way and had already bonded with the son they took home, so they yeah. decided to keep the boys they raised. But they kept in contact, and the boys kind of grew up knowing each other. Did they know that they were switched? I think so, because as time went by, okay. the two mothers were both starting to question how the other was raising their son, um, oh, no. and there ended up being a lot of resentment. And they, mommy wars, yeah, they kind of split ways. Um, so when one of... That would bother me so much. But when one of the sons turned 15, he left the mom who raised him and moved in with his biological mother and the son she raised. Ouch. How terrible. So that one mom did end up with both of them. That sucks for that mom. I mean, unless she was a monster and then she deserves it. But, like, to have your own child, like, pick someone I mean, I still feel bad. Yeah, that can't feel good. 
And you don't even get your biological kid back in the nope. process. You, you know? get nothing. Yeah. She must have been a real terror. So, I mean, so I don't know a ton about the whole legal situation, except that it does not, it sounds really complicated. The fact that, you know, I mean, there's huge yeah. settlements. Because you, I mean, you could charge someone for, with kidnapping in that case. Um. So there was this guy in Japan. He had been switched at birth and his true family was a really wealthy family. And he instead grew up in a really poor family and like lived on welfare. And it wasn't until 60 years later that anyone realized the mistake. So they eventually did some kind of DNA test you know, when they were like really old. And I guess mm-hmm. what happened with them was the midwife, the midwife took them for a bath and accidentally returned them to the wrong mothers. So the hospital had paid, had to pay for damages because this guy who was supposed to be raised in like the lap of luxury had like a really hard life. So that, that was kind of interesting too. Yeah. That's yeah. Kind of sad. There was also, this is one of the crazier stories. But supposedly there were these two babies that were switched at birth and there's suspicion that they were switched on purpose because one of them had a heart problem. And that girl ended up dying in a high-risk open-heart surgery at like age 9 or 10 or something like that. Hmm. But um, Yeah, that's a good question. Like I wonder wonder how often, even though it's super rare, how often it is an accident and how often it's like malicious. Hopefully that's even rarer like you know a baby's sick so you're gonna but it is funny there are these times like sometimes some of these stories it was like someone really had this intuition where they're like there's no something's not something's off yeah and they keep following up and usually you know they're brushed off for a while but sometimes they like run into the other mom or something like that and they both had the same suspicion and they do a blood test and things get figured out and in that case sometimes if it's that soon yeah i feel like if it's super quick if it's like within the first week maybe you could have a better chance of getting taking just correcting it and still bonding it, with yeah. it yeah i don't know but i can't even imagine that would be so crazy what if you found out that you had been switched at birth and you had a twin out there Oh, I would love to have a twin out there somewhere. But wouldn't you? Wouldn't that feel so weird too? At the same time. Sure. And there's no way I'm switched to birth because I look yeah. exactly like my mom. <laughs> True. Okay. Like exactly. Okay. And I, prob- I probably well, I wasn't how... either. Although my I used to be convinced I was adopted because I read that scary book that. Oh, the face in the milk carton. <laughs> no, it was. Um... <laughs> Stranger with my face. Have I not told you about this? Oh, I can't look yes, in mirrors yes, yes. at night you to this day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now that I'm having all these issues and they're like, does this run in your family? And my whole family is like, no. I'm like, maybe it runs in my birth family. You're like, I am adopted. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that was my fun research that took me down kind of a dangerous path because now I'm having all these. I want to have a paternity test just to be sure. Just wait until you have kids. Oh, my goodness. Jeez. I'm going to not let that kid out of my sight. Well, I'm wondering how um, how Sierra's mother feels now that she has her daughter back, essentially. I'm, I hope we look to see if she and Sierra will ever be able to have a relationship. And I don't know. I, I, I want to know what yeah. the other woman thought, too, even though she's dead. Um, Akos's mother. Yeah, I hope we get some insight into that, too. The other thing is... Um, there is no way, in my mind, that Lazmet, Sierra's father, bought that lie about they mistook the baby's gender at birth. In my mind, there's no way he thought that Cyril was actually his daughter. Well, it's kind of crazy, too, because they ended up executing someone, and then obviously her brother knew at some point. So so at what point... Um, that's kind of one of my questions, too. At what point did Lazmat know, and why did he go along with it? And also, like, I want to know more about his gift, how he can... He has, like... um 
Lavana's power or the Thermitage's power from yeah. Stars, or from the Lunar Chronicles because he can like control people's minds and bodies. So I wonder if that played into it at all yeah. or like like there's no way he would have gone along with it. I think like if his wife was like, "Hey, just so you know." this baby well you had a son but we have to swap them because their fates aren't right like there's no way he would have allowed that to happen i don't i mean i don't i don't think he would have allowed it to happen but i also feel like his wife had quite an influence on him so depending on when he oh maybe he actually killed the wife somehow well i don't know i mean no no right that would be too happy ending ish if the guy we already hate did the thing we already hate and she got off. Well, we kind of, well, we didn't see it, but we just hear Sira saying that she had a temper tantrum and, and that's what killed her mother. She, yeah, she pushed all her of her. On, on her by accident. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know what that means. Like, did she die instantly or did it, you know how some people suffered from her pain for days afterward? That's I don't true. know. I'm just, I don't really, that's not, I'm going to, well, that could be the prediction I make that'll be wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe I'll get another good one later. <laughs> But I am curious to see how everybody's relationships kind of shift because I think that um, it'll be interesting to see how Akos and Sifa's relationship changes, if at all, too, from this. And even how his relationship with his siblings changes, if at all. Yeah, same here. And I'm really just curious to see what happens to um, Asia if he is able to be fixed at all. Because hopefully Akos will be able to use his gift to undo what was done. I know. I don't get how we haven't tried something like that. Like, what if we Try just have Akos, like, hug him for a while and see if it, like, undoes all the current stuff? Hug it out, bro. Hug it out. That's what we used to have to do when we didn't agree as kids. <laughs> no. Sit on, the, really? sit on the steps and then hug it out until we were Aww. friends again. <laughs> see, I would imagine my sister and I hugging and just being like, I hate you. I hate you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling each other's hair secretly. Yeah. But, yeah. So the other cool thing about this uh, first half of the book is we got to see another planet. Oh, yeah. Ogra. It's a cool planet. Sure is. Kind of scary. I love all the, um, I love how all the plants are trying to kill you. Yeah, I would definitely die within five to seven minutes of being there. Me too. I'd go to pick that one plant that like burns your hands off if you go to pick it and that'd be it. I think it's so cool though that like there's not really a lot of animals and these plants all have such unique defense mechanisms or hunting stuff like even i like how it's like some plants will try to become your friend and then kill you some plants will try to become your friend so you'll protect them from other plants some plant like it's just it's kind of a really cool world that she's built and i'm so glad we're seeing another planet me too and i liked how ekos asks um he has that new friend who's helping him brew potions oh yeah um zenka and he asks her like why are why do you live in a planet that's so determined to kill you and, you know, they say, well, it keeps us humble and it reminds us that there are things out there that we can't control. And I just kind of liked that idea. I did too. And I also liked when we, this is partially related, but I think it was, Akos was talking about how the Shotet people have metal and mm-hmm. um, how he's seen that play out or whatever. Like, I just, I thought that was also kind of a cool, it kind of fit in well with this planet and them using that as exiles. Yep. Like, they live in such a hostile land, but they're still finding a way to survive. Yep, yep. So I researched plants with really amazing defense mechanisms. Ooh, I'm so excited. Do any try to befriend you so that you protect them? No. Okay, so that no. was all. Okay. Darn it. I really want a, a friend, a plant friend. A plant <laughs> friend that, that turns on you? No, I want one that just wants me to defend it from Toby or whatever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so I started out with plants, and then I went to animals, too. Okay. Okay, so everyone knows, like, spines and thorns on cacti and other plants are, like, a really good defense mechanism, especially if, like, you're a cactus and you are filled with water and animals want to eat you because you li- they live in a desert. Yep. Um, having spines is, like, a really good defense mechanism. And then... Did you read about the jumping choya? No. What, is that a spider? No, it's a um, it's a type of cactus. Oh, it, it, for some reason it sounded well. We were talking about spiders earlier today. For some reason, That's that reminded true. me of a spider. <laughs> so I don't know a ton about it in actuality, but the jumping choya is the type of choya that supposedly can like shoot its spines at you if you get too close. Um, oh, maybe that's on my list. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So idioblast. So um, <laughs> it says, oh, this is from Britannica.com. If thorn spines and prickles are the spear brigade, idioblasts are the landmines. So Ooh. they are they're plants that fire barbed calcium oxalate crystals into the mouths of predators and then release an enzyme that's um, similar to reptilian venom. Ooh, where are these found? So they shoot they shoot barbed crystals into your mouth. <laughs> it says it's a common health plant. I guess we just don't usually try to eat them? Yeah, I guess not. It says it can cause paralysis um, and the loss of speech, and so it's commonly named dumb cane. Oh my goodness. I'm curious what this looks like now. It's a common houseplant? It it says it's a common houseplant. That was not what I was thinking about. That's way scarier than what I was thinking of. Because I don't think the jumping choya actually shoots things at you. I think it's just if you walk close enough to it, it'll stick you. I kind of want to like look it up more and see and make sure I don't have one in my home. Yeah, I need. I need Although to... I haven't been shot in the mouth. Yeah, you think you'd <sighs> find that out, right? I actually don't have that many plants in my home in general because I can't keep them alive. But all the ones I have are cacti or succulents. Hmm. Hmm. I'll go try and eat them and let you know what happens. Okay, don't get shot in the mouth. Mm, maybe not. Okay, so the other one that was super fascinating to me was the gimpy gimpy plant. <laughs> have you heard of that? No, but I like its name. So the Gimpy Gimpy is a stinging tree that's found in Australia. And okay. it's this plant where if you brush up against it, even just really, really lightly, mm-hmm. it releases these micro hairs that are like, they're like little stings that get embedded into your skin. And then they release some kind of toxin, like a neurotoxin that causes excruciating pain. Oh my goodness. I'm not even kidding you. The name of this article is, if you touch this plant, it will make you vomit in pure agony. Oh my goodness. Please no. So um, so I actually remembered this plant because I saw a video once of a guy who was talking about the Gimpy Gimpy and he, just to demonstrate, just brushed one finger against the plant and he like vomited on TV. So he did it on purpose? Yeah. Cause he no, was just to like, like demonstrate? Why would anyone yep. do that? <laughs> I don't know. And so they say... They said that um, these spines, unless you remove them, so they say if you if you brush up against it, you should take like um, a piece of sticky paper or like a waxing strip and put it on your skin and then rip it off to get all the hairs out because otherwise they can continue releasing toxins for up to a year. Oh my goodness! Yeah. How do they even live that long? How do they have that much toxin? I know. And they said um, where? Wait, where are these located? Australia. Okay. So we're good. Well, I already knew Australia is trying to kill you. I think Australia yeah, has, like, is the most... the most deadliest plants and animals yeah. of any place in the world, pretty much. <laughs> Don't ever move there. Um, 
It's the most like this planet. So they said that um, the pain, they described it as being burnt with hot acid and electrocuted at the same time. Oh my, no thank you. <laughs> I will not touch that. And, they, and someone did that on purpose still? That's what I can't get over. It, I can't tell if he was an idiot or really just wanted to protect other people. Well, also, like, if you spend your life studying it, I'm sure you're just curious. Like, you hear that it has this reaction that's so awful, and I'm sure part of you is like, oh, how bad can it be? And then it's really bad. No, I'm pretty sure I'd be like, mm, I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> so they said that... um like, a lot of times your glands will swell up, too. Like, your um, lymph nodes will swell up just because of how, like, the reaction it causes. And they said, this is awful, they said that horses have been known to brush up against it and throw themselves off cliffs to, like, end their pain. And there's also a rumor where a guy mistakenly used it, a, a leaf, um, as toilet paper and then shot himself. Oh, my goodness. I'm sure that's just a rumor, but like... No, I think based on what I've heard, if someone did use that as toilet paper, it might be... It might be the end. Yeah. But like, how strange uh. that something... And, and, and they said it like it will drive humans and animals mad. That's how painful it is. Why Why is it so... I don't I guess if a plant wants to protect itself, it will protect itself. Yeah. yeah. Talk about a great defense mechanism. So the other ones that were kind of cool were some animals that I looked at. Mm -hmm. This is so weird. There's a lizard that shoots blood from its eyes. Ooh. It's called the Texas Horned Lizard. And it's covered in spines, which is its first line of defense. But then if that doesn't work, it it can squirt blood out of its eyes as far as five feet. And it's mixed with a chemical that um, wards off predators. So, okay. And this is insane. Okay, the lizard when he does this, can release one-third of its total blood supply. Oh, that is insane. So that's like 2% of its body mass, so it can only do it, like, occasionally. But, okay, so it's if it's got the spikes, that would be like if something actually tried to eat it, that would deter it, right? Yeah. But then the five-foot radius of blood-squirting eyeballs, wouldn't that be a first line of defense? Well, I guess it's like, yeah, sorry, yeah. Okay, okay. It's like to warn people to stay away. I mean, if I saw a lizard squirting blood out of its eyes, I would back up. Yeah, I'd go the other way. Toby would try to be friends, but, you know. Aww. Okay, there's also um, a frog that breaks its bones to escape predators. Ooh. It can crack its own toe bones and push them through their skin to form claws, which then ward off attackers. And then what happens afterwards? Do they grow back in? They think the bones just slide back under the skin when the frog's muscles relax. Huh. And similarly, there's a newt that turns its ribs, it, it shifts its ribs and pushes them through its skin to um, develop a row of spikes. Cool. So it has to force its own bones through its skin every time it's attacked. That is cool, though. And they said that it doesn't cause any harm to the animal. They're just fine. I guess if you're genetically modified so that your ribs can do that yeah if you're built to do it why not use it so yeah those are just some animals with really great defense mechanisms that we should also not ever ever go play with in the wild i'm glad you looked this up because i thought about looking at plants that are mean <laughs> but then i went down that rabbit hole of people who were switched <laughs> at birth and questioning my own identity so I that didn't kept you busy yeah. that far. <laughs> it did yeah 
Cool. So the other thing we haven't really talked about is what's going on on the other side of things. So what do you think about Ast? Oh, yeah. New guy? Um, I want to know more about his gift because he, I think it's interesting that he's blind and yet he can sense other people's gifts really strongly. And he is especially susceptible mm-hmm. to Sira's, it seems. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of, I want to know more about him. I like that, I kind of like that he is, has a history with Isaiah and I want to know a little bit more about that. And we kind of, I hope we don't get a love triangle because I hate love triangles, but Cece just seems like she doesn't really like him all that much because he's showing interest in Isaiah. And I think it's interesting that the Oracle at the end tells her to be wary of Ast. To beware. Yeah. So I don't know if he's going to betray them or what. It's also interesting to see, although I guess we've seen this a little bit with Sira too, but the way she can control her gift and how, like, it sounds like a lot of people, their gift is just some, like, it's just kind of interesting. She can push, she can decide how she wants to calm. Like, it's been cool to see her perspective on stuff, too. Yeah. I do feel bad that she's not even allowed to share opinions that make people uncomfortable. Like, her tongue freezes up whenever yeah. she wants to say something that's, like, not popular. That would be incredibly frustrating. I think that was also cool to go back, though, and see how she became friends with Isaiah for real was because, like, she actually wanted to know yeah. and she wasn't made uncomfortable by her telling the story of her family. And it's cool to kind of see some of Ori again. Um, although I'm still so curious what her gift is. I know. Ori's gift. I don't know if we'll ever find out. And I, I just, the gifts are really interesting. And especially because the fact that they're not all good. Like even the ones that seem all good, like making people comfortable. You know, like you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that sounds great. But to see how it, yeah, prevents her from saying things and feeling things or experiencing things and all of that is But it is nice that Isaiah doesn't get as uncomfortable as most people and so it gives Cece the chance to be more of herself and to like be able to express more of her opinions and her emotions and well it it makes me buy that relationship more because I feel like Isaiah is kind of hard to like from the other characters perspectives and if it was something like stupid like because she was chance or you know like a power thing I don't think I would have bought it and I don't know what else it would have been but like I feel like it feels very true to who she is as a character but also like I understand the attraction between both of them why she likes you know someone who can handle her discomfort or whatever you know who can handle that and Mm -hmm. then also how she can give some comfort to her I feel like it's a nice pairing I agree and I think Isaiah is such a complicated character too because I mean she kills so easily like the scene where Mm -hmm. she kills Ryzak and then they have to um, send her in the escape. They have to drug her and send her on an escape pod. And I think mm-hmm. it's kind of, a l- I'm, I'm a little nervous that Cece is so wary of Isaiah because she confesses to the Oracle, like, I'm worried about her. She has this, she doesn't seem to have any qualms about killing people and she's very bloodthirsty and she sees this like wild glint in her eyes sometimes where she's mm-hmm. really afraid for the person she's becoming. So Mm -hmm. I'm just hoping that Isaiah doesn't slip too far. I mean, she already blew up the sojourn ship. Yeah, but I think she does feel guilt for that. Yeah, I think she does too. And also, like, using that restraint where she doesn't go after um, Voa, the city, head on. And she says, you know, let's just attack the sojourn ship because they think it will minimize casualties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then Sierra tells everyone to evacuate, and... I know. Everyone has blood on their hands now. And I'm so curious to see what Sifa does with her visions and how she continues to manipulate people, or if she ever kind of becomes more of a maternal 
figure. <laughs> I doubt she will. Yeah. Which is weird, though, because at the beginning, I felt like she was kind of maternal when she was teaching Ecos how to brew the potions, and they had that special... They had that alone time together that they always kind of made made um, a priority. But it sort of feels like she was just preparing him for yeah. what his being name was. Sierra's. Yeah. It'll be interesting. So we've got Lazmat back. We've got Akos is off somewhere. Um, this war is brewing. There's a war. They've declared official war against the Shotat. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. And we've got another couple hundred pages to get through. Yeah. I have to say I'm not I'm not as super into this book as I as I usually am. I don't know what it is exactly. You mean specifically this the this series. book or the series? Like I think okay, it's not it's one of my least favorite we've read. I have to say. Interesting. I would say it's like pretty middle of the road for me right now. I there are things I really like about it, but I'm not super drawn in like I sometimes am. Like Same here, I'm, and I'm also not. Um, like, sometimes you read books and you can't forget the characters and you can't stop thinking about the characters. And I feel like after I finish reading this, I'm going to, like, it's going to be forgettable to me. I'm kind of curious to see how it ends because I think that it's playing with some interesting ideas that I haven't decided what it's trying to say about, like, even some of the fate stuff. But now that they've, the two main characters have gotten out of their fate, I, I'm curious how much that'll still be part of the story. Um, but I mean, I see what you mean. I think, I think I want to like it more than I actually yeah. like it. I wonder too if, um, like, I'm curious to know if Akos and Sira will continue to be a love interest because I don't know. I, I, I thought it was interesting when he says that she, he was like, you feel like you don't deserve love and that's why you push me away. But I mm-hmm. wonder now that their fates are revealed, now that they have the freedom to choose what will happen between them. And they're also, like, yeah. on completely different sides. I mean, Akos has been adamant in saying, like, I'm Thuvian. That's who I am. Just because I was kidnapped and was raised among the enemies doesn't mean I have Stockholm Syndrome and I'm fighting for them. Like, he is decidedly Thuv. But but I think when he found out that he actually wasn't born one of them, I think he's having more of an identity crisis than we're aware of right oh. now. So you don't know what side they're going to fight on? Like, do you think they'll be fighting on opposing sides still? I think I think they probably will, but I think neither one of them really wants to. F- like I'm hoping they can both appreciate because of their experience with each other more than most of the Shotet or Thuvians can that like they both have something to offer. But it'll be interesting to see if and how that plays out. Because even Isaiah didn't really want to declare war. She was, um, mm-hmm. you know, pressured into it by the assembly leader who was like, who didn't believe that Sira killed Rizak and. And was like threatening her with with a murder trial. Yeah. So I wonder if like if the other people in Shotet actually believe that Ryzek's dead too, or if they. But I mean, again though, we've got at this point they've blown up the Sojourn ship, so everyone's actually mad. Mm-hmm. Like even if they weren't that into the war thing before, and they've attacked. What was the name of the village that just got attacked at the end? Oh, or the, it was the capital, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, he blows up. Um, Lazmet blows up the hospital, right? And Asia says it's raining glass. Like that's the vision. Yeah. Oh, it's Shisha. 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 Yeah. There we go. My um, fifth time's a charm. I started writing my notes <laughs> in my phone, and the autocorrects that I get for these names and these—it's just—it just won't make any sense at all. That's that's part of my struggle because I think I told you I kind of when I'm just writing notes for what to research. Sometimes I go back and I'm like, what was I? thinking <laughs> what did I think would be a good thing to look up I'm excited to see the second half I think my biggest thing when we go back to what we like 
they were just parts of the first book where I kept getting confused too. But I'm actually really liking the addition of more characters and stuff in the mm-hmm. second book. Like I, I feel like it's growing in an interesting way. It's like growing. I sort of feel like there's a lot going on right now. If I had to read a third book in this, I don't know if I'd make it. Honestly, I know that's not great to say. No, I felt th- I felt that way about some. I was even trying to think of like I've never felt that way about any of our books, except I guess a little bit. I felt about that way about Winter Song a little bit. I had a lot of trouble with Winter Song, and then honestly, it took me a while to really like. Uh, what's the London one? Oh, Shades of Magic. Shades of Magic. Yeah. Oh, I loved that one. I'm looking at the art print that I made right above my desk right now. I like ended up really really liking it, but. <laughs> There were times when I wasn't super into it. I think it's like, I know that I like something a lot when I make fan art based on it. <laughs> and I blew this this poster up and it is like above my podcast desk. <laughs> That's how much I liked it. That's awesome. Uh, well, I was even trying to think of like, what's my favorite scene so far in these books? And I can't even think of one. I mean, I, I liked when they went to Ogre and I, I would like to see that planet with all the weird carnivorous plants. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, I was just like, I maybe some of the arena fights I would want to see. Yeah, I think definitely seeing the scenery on a few of these planets, like even um, the planet from the last book, Pitha or whatever, I'd also, I mm-hmm. think like those would just be kind of cool to see. Or even Sh- Shissa before it died with the raindrop places up in the sky, raindrop shaped yeah. places hanging and the blooming of the fruit. Oh, the blooming of the ice flowers and the hush flowers. That'd be cool. Yeah, but as far as the actual like character stuff, there's there's not a scene that I feel super strongly about. If anything, I'd want to see something with the oracles just to get a better sense of what their experience is like when they're having these visions. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Well, let's go finish the rest of this book. Okay, we'll see if you like it any more or if I like it any less but by the okay. time we get through it. Do you have a joke for me? Oh, I do. Okay. Um, so I looked up plant jokes. Oh, okay. Appropriate. <laughs> To match my research. And they are really bad. <laughs> okay. Why did the tomato turn red? It was embarrassed. Because it saw the salad dressing. <laughs> Alright, this one's actually this one actually made me laugh a lot. What did the big flower say to the small flower? What? What's up, bud? <laughs> <laughs> and this one was just actually kind of super random. But it made me laugh too. What did the, what did the nut say when it sneezed? What? Cashew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're so bad. I like that one. And the mm-hmm. the what's up, bud, is something I could totally see my grandfather loving. <laughs> um, do you want to tell people how to get in touch? Yeah, if you email us at mnktalkya at gmail we will read it and respond, or you can follow us on Instagram at mnktalkya, or Facebook at mnktalkya, or visit our website mnktalkya.com. It's all the same. <laughs> Are you sensing a trend here? <laughs> Can't find us by now. Um, okay, let's keep reading. <laughs> okay, bye, bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.